Broadway producer requires a skill set of understanding theater, both in front and behind the curtain, uh, creativity, development skills, marketing skills, strong interpersonal skills, problem solving, and so much more. Mark Rabinsky brings to the role of producer all of those, making him uniquely positioned to relate to investors and help investors feel confident in investing in the Broadway theatrical process. Today, we talk with Mark about the transition from theater to corporate events and back to his roots in theater. I also ask Mark what skills he's developed along the way and what makes him a successful producer and how that helps him engage investors. What I love about Mark is his authenticity. I love that he doesn't engage with the hyperbole, um, that he draws investors in because he's so genuine. And I really appreciate his perspective on theater, which helps him become a great producer. Welcome. Thank you. It's great to be here. Mark and I have worked closely together this past year. We meet weekly as part of our mastermind group, and we've met quarterly at various theaters across the country for um, out-of-town tryouts. And so I've gotten to know Mark really well. And Mark, one of the things that always impresses me about you is your attention to detail and your observation skills. You really take everything in and you have a terrific perspective on the theatrical world. So thank you for joining me today. It's a pleasure to be here. Thank oh, you. Thank you, thank you. Um, I usually ask producers how they got started as a producer, but Mark, researching your background, it's easy to see how you transitioned from your theater roots to executive producer of corporate events with clients such as American Express and Pfizer and Special Olympics, which holds a good place in my heart, and Canon and, and many others. And now back to theater. So my, my first question to you is, as you've transitioned back to your theatrical roots, what skills as an executive producer in the corporate world have helped you in this new capacity? Well, actually, the corporate world to me was theater. And really, when you look at the world, everything is theater. Church is certainly theater. Selling a bottle of perfume is theater. I mean, the world is theater. And the corporate world that I inhabited uh, was meetings and events and motivating salespeople and thanking salespeople for what they did and introducing new products and things like that. That's very, very, very much theater. Um, in fact, the roots of, of much of what I do came from when a lot of casts were used, a lot of, there were literally book musicals done. And there still are a few, not as many anymore. Video has sort of taken over that role, unfortunately, but that's actually how I got involved in corporate um, business theater, it used to be called, when somebody needed an equity stage manager because they had an equity cast. And I came in and I, I did that job and they and the producer of that said, oh, my gosh, this is really useful to have someone do what you did, not just because of the actors. And I started getting more and more of that work. What actually happened was that, as everyone knows, when you're working as a stage manager, until you really are established, it's in and out. There's You do a gig and then you have some time. You do a gig and you have some time. I began to fill the time in with more corporate stuff. And ultimately, 
decided, gee, maybe maybe I could get a job, a staff job somewhere as a stage manager. Wouldn't it be cool to actually have a consistent paycheck? And that never really happened because that's that's not in their mindset. But ultimately what happened was that somebody said, you know, we're looking for producers. Why don't you do that? I had no idea what that even meant. As a stage manager, it never occurred to me beyond the production side. Looking back, boy, do I wish I had paid more attention to the the you know the general management offices and the and the company managers and that whole part of the business, but that just didn't interest me at the time. Um, so at any rate, uh, the point really is that corporate producing is very very similar. Any kind of producing is bringing a bunch of people together in order to create something new, and you know sometimes it's more formed than other times. But the but in the end, it's really bringing a group of people together, listening to them, allowing them to do what they do best. Often refereeing, sometimes nurturing, sometimes coaxing. But that's what it really is. It's leading a team, putting it all together, making it happen. And that's really the definition of a producer in my mind. Of course, the real job of a producer is to raise money, but that's a different tangent. I I heard you say, Mark, the referee aspect of it. And I know that recently you've been involved in some involved negotiations with investors. Mm. Is there a point where you you want to walk away, maybe not from the producing world, but you want to walk away from this deal when it's just not the right fit? Yeah, well, certainly if the if it's not the right fit, you should certainly walk away. I have not experienced that yet in my short time on this earth. Um, in terms of producing, I have certainly, I have certainly been involved in that uh, in producing corporate stuff where I've just seen where a client is just not working. It's just not working out with a writer, let's say, or a designer, and the client. And there's just not a simpatico enough to make it work. Well, then you have to create a way to change that situation. And I'd say that's to your credit, Mark. That's to your skills in in team building and problem solving that you've been able to avoid that that need to walk away. So good for you. You like me talk with investors on a regular basis. And mm -hmm. in today's climate, what, Mark, do you think in your experience, is on investors' mind? What are they thinking about most? I think it depends on the investor. And in all, in all transparency, I am not hugely experienced in working with investors. I've gotten a lot of experience in a short amount of time, but that doesn't make me that experienced. So I have, at this point, really a dozen people that I am going to, and I'm growing that every day. Um, so they're all very different, but many of the people that I'm working with have never invested in a theater before. Um, they like the idea. They like being part of something. Um, of course, they 90% of them love the theater. Some of them are just looking for another financial thing. Um, but most of them really love the theater, would love to be involved in it, like the idea of being part of a family that mm. is 
in something, love the idea of being able to actually at some point maybe take one of their friends and take them to the theater and see what they've been part of. It's certainly a great conversation at a cocktail party. And, you know, that's that's one of the things that I always think about. It's sort of it's similar to the fact that in corporate meetings, the best time for everybody at the meeting is the coffee breaks and the lunches and the dinners, because that's when they get to talk to each other. They get to talk about what they just heard and synthesize what that information is and, and how they can use it and to make connections. And that's really what investing is all about in the theater. It's making connections. And when you make a connection with one investor, you might be making a connection with three more investors because they will talk about what they're doing with excitement. It's much easier in, in my mind um, for people to talk about a show that they've invested in as an exciting thing, as opposed to, mm, let's say, an oil well. You know? <laughs> I mean, and so I'm very serious about that. And the, and the other thing is that a, that a savvy investor, of course, knows that it's very risky. But you know what? Investing in an oil well is pretty risky as well. I mean, the market goes up and down no matter where you are. If it's a startup business, it's going to be risky. And actually, the theater, as I understand it, is not really that much more risky than trying to start a new business. So, Because it is a new business. Every show is a new business in reality. Oh, thank you for Mark for dispelling that maybe myth of investing that Broadway is so much more risky. I'm I'm in a startup area uh, here in Utah, Silicon Slopes, and we talk about tech startups and one in 10 are successful. A Broadway show musical, we're looking at one in five. So you're right. It's less risky than maybe some people think. Yeah. Thanks for breaking that down. Mark, I also love that you were so transparent about where you are in your process as a producer and what you're learning as an emerging producer, I really think that that's helpful to incoming producers that are trying to understand what's the steps to to getting their show off the ground. And you talked about having a network and growing your network. Um, mm -hmm. If you could give hope to an emerging producer, describe what it's like, because I know you have. Describe what it's like when you have found that right investor, when you know it's the right fit. What is that like? Well, it's like anything else, it's incredibly exciting. I mean, it's it's great because now you have someone that you can talk to about the project that you're passionate about, and they can hear that, and they can understand that. And it's interesting because you think, you know, if you get a producer involved in something and it's not really that successful, that you can't go back to them. And that's not true. You know, you, you, you're not going to, everything isn't going to make money. But it is actually very important to remember something, and that is a show that may, maybe your show doesn't recoup, but it may give you may lose everything. But you also might get back 25 percent, 50 percent, 70 percent, 90 percent of your investment. And that means that you've been involved in something that may not pay dividends but at least you get some of your original investment back and you can take it, take that and invest in something else, which is very much like what a mutual fund is. Mutual fund levels the field 
by investing in a lot of different things. And that's what a lot of investors, established investors do. They invest in a lot of different projects. And only if one in five work, hopefully that one will perhaps pay off some of those others that don't work. So it's a it's that kind of a game. But as far as new investors, you know, I'm not sure I have any real sage advice, but what I can say is I never have seen myself as a salesperson. But that doesn't mean that I haven't always been selling. When I'm in, in the corporate world as a producer, you're often working, you're always working with a sales team as well. But that doesn't mean that your job as a producer isn't to constantly work with the clients and make them, give them the understanding of what's happening behind the scenes and basically work the sales end as well. You want to keep that project going, just like in the theater. Um, as a new producer, you may not feel like you're great at selling. You may really say, I want to just create things. I want to, I want to be part of, of putting things together, making the budgets, all of those things, whatever it might be. But really, on, the job is really about raising money, ultimately, in the end. Because without the money, you can't make the art. And in order to raise money, you have to have a really good business plan. So there's a lot that that has. You, you have to really work hard at making sure not only do you have a good business plan, but you really understand it. So you can explain, especially to new investors, how does it all work? What does it mean? And you have to be very careful because you can't exaggerate. Oh, it's going to be a giant hit and you're going to make all this money. You can't do that because you might not. Um, they have to understand it has to be realistic. And most investors really hear hyperbole as mm, stay away from that. I don't want to get involved in that. But if you're honest and you are excited and you're passionate and you believe in the project and you know how it's going to work, you can sell it, even if you're not a natural born salesperson. That's so helpful, Mark. That's one of the one of the learning curves I had coming into the industry was understanding that I, my joke is that when I was in elementary school and we had a fundraiser and I had to sell chocolate bars, my mom would like buy all the chocolate bars. So I didn't have to go door to door. Right. So that's, that's what I want. <laughs> yeah, I know. Yeah. So that was a, that was a learning curve for me. Um, talk to me about your project. You've got a great catalog of projects. Talk about, Radio 930, if there was a potential investor listening to this podcast, tell us about tell us about some of the shows you're working on right now. Sure. Well, you know, th that's the thing, again, about being a producer. You, you want to get involved in things that really excite you, that you can be passionate about, that you really believe in. Whether they're commercial or not, that's a, that's a decision you have to make. You don't ever really know anyway. Radio 930, I've been working on that project for about 12 years now. And that's really, I could, I could say that that really is what brought me back to wanting to be a producer. I will tell you a quick story. I was sitting in my office at a producing corporate stuff and a, the son of a friend called me and said, Hey, I've got a show and, um, I'm, I'm, I'm trying, me and my friends are doing this show and I'm trying to put it 
get it on stage and I'm not quite sure how to do it. You know, my mom said, you, you might be able to help. And I said, I would love to. That's great. It sounds really interesting. I'm really too busy because I'm doing a big car introduction. You should go talk. What you should do is go talk to a general manager. Well, they did. And the Blue Man Group has done pretty well since then. And the, the, I knew, I knew Chris Wink's mother, who's a, they're great people. And, um, I, you know, let's get real. It wouldn't have mattered. I may have said, Oh, sure, I can help. And the same thing could have happened. All I know is it might have been a real change in my life if I had said, Sure, let's, let's figure out how to do it. Of course, I would have no, I would have had no idea. When a friend of mine came to me with an idea, for a dance show that was based on ballroom dancers dancing to rock and roll music, which didn't really have a a story. That's all it was. But it sounded like an interesting idea. And I really respected this gentleman. And I said, yeah, I'm interested. Let me, he came to me just with a question and I said, let me produce this. And we ended up doing a corporate version of it in a couple of places. And we ended up continuing to work on it. And ultimately, it was the seed, the germination of what Charles uh, Urich and Nancy Paris came up with, this idea based on all of that for Radio 930, which is all about a, a bunch of rebels, kids who just want to hear music that they love from the West. And they're in East Berlin, and that's forbidden. And they and they will just want to hear their music. And I won't get into more than that, but that is a show that has evolved into something that is incredibly exciting. And I think we'll, you'll be seeing it soon. You know, we, we, we were, my partner, Tony Castrino, came to me with this project that he had called Falling in Love with Mr. Delamore. And he was asking me to invest in it. And we talked a little bit. and. He said, you know, maybe we should partner up and do this together. And I thought, yeah, let's do that. And this was at the beginning of, of the COVID world. The plan was to take that and, and put it into the Players Theater um, in New York City. And we were down the road to do that. And COVID kind of changed our plans. And one day um, we're talking and I'm, I can remember it so well because I'm pulling up weeds in my garden and I'm listening, I'm talking on the phone. And we came up with this idea. Why don't we do a radio play kind of like Prairie Home Companion? Because that seemed to make sense. Well, we did it. And that was really the beginning of our producing careers. We went into that without really knowing a whole lot, but we worked with um Visceral Entertainment, who were great general managers and helped us and really, really kind of nurtured us. Um, and we ended up, because it was COVID, able to hire some really big Broadway stars. Falling in Love with Mr. Delamort is available on Broadway.com, Broadway, um, Broadway Records. It's on Broadway Records. It's on um, the Broadway On Demand is what I was looking for. Um, you can find it on any platform, really, just by by Googling it. Um, and it's a it's a full length radio play. And um, it's it's great. And so from there, we just kind of started looking around. And then 
uh, finding other projects. We have a project called the Last Night at the Rue Bayou, which is a basically a ghost story that takes place in New Orleans in a nightclub, and um, and it's a cycle story, and it's it's a it's a really interesting kind of experiential thing that is is you know destined to some wonderful club like environment where you can have a few drinks and maybe a bowl of gumbo and go back into the world of of New Orleans and the and the wonderful Zydeco music and so on. So, you know, our what we're focusing on are are new artists with new work and often experiences that are unlike what you would often see just on a stage, just straight on a stage. It's we in in the world in the corporate world which we both come from. Experiential theater is always talked about. It's the big word, experiential. Well, what does that really mean? It means it's all theater is experiential, but people like that word, so hey, why not? But what we're talking about is what other things can you bring into a room to make it more experiential, to give the audience a better way to become involved and to forget about everything else outside those walls and to be part of that experience that you're involved in at that moment. Mm. Mark, it's fun to hear you talk about your projects with such excitement. I was going to say fondness. Maybe it's fondness and excitement. Like it's, uh, I can tell that you're passionate about it, that you've thought about it, that the investment of your time in creating these is something that you've been very deliberate about. I'm really excited to see them come to fruition. That's very, very cool. If you could talk with a potential investor listening to this podcast now, why should they invest in your impressive catalog of shows? Well, because it's an impressive catalog. No, I think, you know, the reality is in the end that investors invest in a show, but they also invest in the people. And I would hope that someone can see that Tony and I are transparent, we're honest, we're passionate, we're going to do everything we can to make sure that whatever we produce gets seen by as many people as possible in however many forms we can find to exhibit it in. You know, when you, when you, you aim high, you're, you know, you're, you aim for Broadway, but you know that after Broadway, there are a million more ways that people are going to see what you've done. And it, it, all the way down to high schools and community theaters, certainly we, theaters, certainly other countries. All of that is important because really, what are you doing? You're creating something that you think the world should see. That's the bottom line. You know, and we're not interested in creating something just because we think it's going to make money. We're interested in creating something that needs or should be seen, will be interesting to people, will be entertaining, will have them walking out of the experience talking about it. It has to stay with them for however many days after they see the, see whatever it is that they've seen. You know, that's what success is. And in order to do that, you need to raise a lot of money in order to make it happen. Mm. 
and and make it a something that everyone knows about. I don't know if that um, answered the question, but it did. It anyway. did. It's really helpful. And I, um, as we wrap up, Mark, I I know you and Tony, your producing partner, you have a new website. Is that right? Is there anything you want to shout out? You've talked about your shows, where people can find you. Do I remember you have a new website? Maybe you don't. It's it's easy enough. Thank you very much for that. MTTM theatrics.com and you notice that we're not theatrical we're theatrics because we figured theatrics well what does that mean you know some people engage in theatrics and it's kind of a diva like thing or or it's a, a, a circus like thing or whatever it is and so that's sort of how we came up with theatrics instead of theatrical for what that's worth hopefully it's memorable um, but Definitely take a look at our website. You can find all the, the shows that we're working on. You can contact us, send us an email, and we'll get back to you. Oh, Mark, that's terrific. I'm thrilled for you in this process as an emerging producer, taking years of experience in corporate theater, and then also your roots in theater and pulling it all together to this chapter of your life. Uh, I'm thrilled for you. So thank you for spending some time today. You get to have the last word. Any last things you'd like to share? Well, all I know is it never stops. That's what's so great about the theater. There's always more to do. So let's just keep doing it.